Life Curious Women, where you will find honest conversations exploring women's experiences learning, growing, and healing. I'm your host, Ashton Nadine Lopez, and I'm excited for you to join our collective learning experience. Welcome back, Life Curious Women listeners. Thank you for joining us this week. In case you missed it, last week we had Dr. Jill Goldenziel, who is a professor at the National Defense University College of Information and Cyberspace, a speaker, a consultant, and an arbitrator. We get into her entire journey working towards international policymaking. We talk about being able to change the narrative around migration and how we're going to be able to do that in the future. So make sure to tune in to that episode. This week, we have Marissa Miro, who is actually one of my childhood friends. We met playing sports on the field in middle school and high school. Marissa Miro is a former international field hockey player, an international coach who continues to coach here in the U.S., and she is now an umpire with hopes to become an international umpire. And of course, most importantly, she's a new mom. The reason I was so excited to bring Marissa to Life Curious Women is because She truly embodies what a life-curious woman is. She was able to take her passion for field hockey and her passion for being an athlete and turn it into a long-term career, which I think a lot of people don't get a chance to do. She studied exercise physiology in undergrad and got her master's in that and then was able to take everything she learned in the books, everything she learned on the field, and take it abroad to teach kids across Europe how to play field hockey. In this episode, we get into the early years of her athletic journey in high school and college and how playing a sport was a key to an education. How even after injury prevented her from playing, she dove right back in after a year and a half and played internationally through a Puerto Rico national team. And then she took an even bigger leap and decided to play in Europe and coach teams of young players in Europe without even knowing the language to begin with. We talk about how her love for field hockey has led her to coaching and now umpiring games with the hope of umpiring internationally. And lastly, we talk about her fitness journey while pregnant. She was lifting 200 pounds, y'all. It's on her Instagram. Go check it out. It's so inspiring. And we dive into the difficulties and the realities of being a first-time mother and doing what's best for you and your baby. I'm going to put a quick trigger warning here. For the end of the episode, we do talk about postpartum depression and we talk about weight gain and weight loss with regard to hormones and post-pregnancy. I'm really excited for you guys to hear her story and join in on the conversation. Take a listen. Hi, Marissa. Thank you for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So um, I start off every episode just asking how you describe yourself. So it doesn't have to necessarily do with your job, but just like who you are as a person. So everyone listening can get to know you. So who I am, I am, I guess... One of the words that I would use to describe myself is fierce. <laughs> um, I don't really, you know, I'm very stubborn. I don't let anyone tell me what I can or can't do. Not that I argue, but I'll make my point and I'll let you know my point and I'll let you know how I feel. Pretty honestly, <laughs> I can be a little too honest sometimes, too open sometimes, but I think that that's a good quality to have as a woman, especially because, you know, we've been told our whole life, you know, you have to be submissive. You have to, you know, men are superior, whatever it is. And I just simply, I don't believe that. And I never have. (laughs) Um, So I would say that's like my biggest quality about myself. Yeah, totally. Totally. So I want to just jump in and talk about your experience from like starting as an athlete, kind of like growing up and going to college and everything. And then how you've gotten from there to, you know, starting to coach and working in fitness and kind of like making a career in fitness. If you want to like walk us through that journey. 
Man, I've played sports like my whole life. I think I started like t-ball and soccer when I was like four. I know that like the day I could walk, my dad put a baseball bat in my hand. So I've always been hitting a ball. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've played every sport you could ever imagine. But then, you know, seventh grade came and that was when we were able to play field hockey. And I remember I did not want to play field hockey because I did not want to wear a skirt. And you remember like in middle school, I was like a little boy, like (laughs) I was a little boy, let's be honest. And I didn't want to wear a skirt. So I almost didn't play hockey, which is so funny because, you know, I've turned a career out of it. (laughs) Yeah. but yeah, I mean, playing in middle school and it was just like, I, it was something that I loved to do and it was a lot of fun. And I got to play with all my friends like you and, you know, everyone else that we grew up with. And then going into high school, I also played travel softball. Um, I played baseball with the boys my whole life. And then finally, my dad put me in travel softball and he really wanted me to go play softball in college. And so when high school came and I was playing travel softball and I told him that I wanted to play hockey in college, he was heartbroken. But, you know, I did what I needed to do and what I wanted to do to get there. And I mean, there would be days in the summer where I would be out on our lumpy, bumpy field for three or four hours just by myself with one ball. And I would just hit it and go get it, hit it and go get it. And I think that that was like where that field (laughs) was where I learned like how to work really hard for myself, like outside of practice. And I think that that was one of the qualities that kind of got me to where I am is that I'm willing, I was always willing to put in the work to get to where I wanted to be. Yeah. So then high school came and then, you know, I committed to Iowa. Um, and then I went there and, you know, it just, it wasn't for me there. There was a lot, there was a lot going on there. Yeah. Um, And so then I transferred and I went, you know, to East Stroudsburg and yeah, we won a national championship there. And then I tore like everything in my knee. Um, oh, man. Yeah. It's like so, classic, classic athlete story. <laughs> yeah. It was like, man, it was rough. You know, I, it was, it was awful. I had like a lot of bruising internally and I needed surgery. And then my recovery was a lot longer than what people have. And I'll never forget, like I completely resented my one friend. He was on the baseball team at ESU. He tore his ACL a week and a half after I did. And he had his surgery a week before me because his body was a little bit more prepared for the surgery than mine was at the time because mine was so traumatic. And I remember I just like hated him. And then after the surgery, it was like, two days and he was able to walk a little bit, just like a little, you know, like with the brace obviously and with the crutches, but like I could, I couldn't even move. I was like miserable. And you know, that like, I want to say it was like a good nine months before I really like started, you know, working out again consistently and getting back into it. But it was like, it was almost like I fell into this, like, I don't want to say like depression because, you know, I never, I'm not one to say I I was depressed if I never saw anyone or I was never clinically diagnosed with anything, but you know, I was like out of it. It wasn't myself for like nine months and it was, you know, it was like rough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, going from something that you love to being, not being able to do that. Yeah. And like, I couldn't walk, I couldn't run. It was just terrible. And you know, like it took a toll on me and Then I also played for Puerto Rico's national team from like 2012 on, and it was so fun. I got to travel and play all over like Central America um, and the Caribbean. So fun. Um, I have a couple questions. Yeah. Why do you think it was so important to your dad that you played sports? That's the first question. The second question is, why did you decide to eventually go and like, play in college so for my dad you know um he always told me growing up like you have to play a sport all three you know we have three seasons in high school he was like you have to play a sport every single season um he's like I don't care what you do but you can't just come home after school and I think that part of that was you know how my dad grew up in the 60s and 70s and they were always outside and they were always playing just like we were and so you know he was big on baseball. He played baseball his whole life. And then my older sister went to Syracuse to play softball. Uh, He's, you know, he just was like, you know, I'm going to raise these girls to be athletes. And I think that's what it was. I don't think that he was 
prepared for me to be as feisty as I was and as headstrong as I was about everything. But I think that, you know, playing sports is part of what got me there. Like I was always around the boys and I was always with the boys. And so, you know, I didn't act like a little girl should. I was tough. I was rough. Um, and I think that my dad kind of saw that and he was like, you know, I, you can be a good athlete. You know, you just have to push yourself. And then you said, what led me to want to play in college? <laughs> my dad, you know, he was, I think his thing was getting us into school where we wouldn't have to pay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he wanted us to be able to have an education and not have to pay for it. And yeah. part of that was, you know, if you're an athlete, you can possibly do this. And so I think that was his biggest driving factor there. But yeah, I mean, also it was mine. Like I was like, man, I want to go to college and I don't want to have to pay for it. So, you know, that was like part of it. But yeah, I mean, I, and also like, I just, I just love talking. Like, you know, you were, you were on my team, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was like all I did. And like, I, you know, there were times where like people would go out on weekends in high school, but like, I always had practice an hour away at 7am, 8am. So it's like, I never go out. Yeah. You know, I just explain, can you explain to everyone what field hockey is? If someone, (laughs) oh yeah, duh, (laughs) the world doesn't know. I guess the best way that I have always kind of described it is like, it's soccer. It's, it's almost like soccer, same movement patterns as soccer, same passing patterns. Like there's so many things that are similar to soccer. Um, but you have a hockey stick and it's not like an ice hockey stick. It's round on one side and flat on the other, and you can only use the flat side. But yeah, there's a lot of neat skills. So if you don't know what field hockey is, look it up on YouTube. It's the best. Yeah. Yeah. And we played together <laughs> through from middle school. through high yeah. school. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we had so much fun. I, I oh feel God, like yeah. the group that we had, like our class and, you know, the class below, like we were just all so close. We yeah. always had a good time. I know. And, and like, I think we just like revolutionized that team because it, we went from like being shit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we <were> so <laughs> terrible freshman year. Oh, and then we won like five games. <laughs> so bad. Such a bad. Yes. And then we went from that to like literally making it into the top four. Yeah. But and then, you know, we made districts. And then of course we got destroyed by like the best team in the country at districts. Yeah. They yeah. <laughs> like it was like oh we made it. We made yeah, it. Like, yeah we did something that like people before us hadn't done. And you know it was really cool because like we all like it was all something that we saw like our freshman year and we were like, man, we suck. And it sucks to suck. Like it really does. I know. And I think that, you know, there was just something in all of us that we were like, we want to win. Like we're the underdogs at every, almost every game that we play. Like we want to yeah. And I think we, what was unique about our team by our senior, by our senior year was that we had been playing with the same people. Yeah. You know, since yeah. middle school, like the, we were the same team kind of, you know, yeah moving through together so we just got better yeah you know yeah for sure I would agree so you were saying you tore so were you able to go back to playing when you were in college so no that was my last year so I would have had another year but I wouldn't have even been recovered until November so I ended up you know not playing so then I went so this was 2016 how did you get how did you start playing for the Puerto Rico team. Oh my gosh. So my friend, I don't know if you remember her Genesis. She met someone. I don't remember. I think she met him at the ESU field hockey camp, if I'm correct. Um, And he was, he's a member of the men's team there. And I guess they had somehow talked about how she's Puerto Rican. And he said, Oh, I play for the men's team. You should come play for the women's team. And so she texted me and she was like, yo, I met this guy. And he's saying that we can do this. So I was like, what? Then so she connected me with him. And then she actually wasn't able to make the first tournament. She was still in high school. She was a senior in high school because she's a year younger than us. And so she couldn't make the first tournament. So I went to the first tournament, not knowing anybody without her. And yeah, that it was in Mexico. That was my first time in Mexico. And I think we've gone back like four or five times since then. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so now she's on the team. Um, I am still kind of um, involved with the team, like I don't play anymore. Um, so my goal now is to umpire internationally. Mm. Um, to do that, I can't play internationally. So I kind of had to decide, make a decision um, if I wanted to play or umpire. And they have a tournament coming up in the summer. So hopefully I get selected and I can umpire internationally. 
Yeah, that's that's awesome. And those yeah. for those of you who don't know, field hockey is like gigantic overseas. Like, <laughs> like I feel like we're like the only place where it's like not as well known. Yeah, and but- like one of the only places where like like in Europe, men's hockey is all the like all the men play, but then here. Right men playing and you're like what yes so yeah so that's like an important thing to kind of note so can you walk us through how you went from like okay you graduated you haven't been playing and then how you kind of ended up coaching and umpiring so let's see so after I tore my ACL I didn't play for a year and a half and then we had a a team in uh, a tournament in Jamaica and this was to qualify us for the Central American Games which then if we had done well in that would have qualified us for Pan American games. Um, And so I ended up playing in that tournament in Jamaica. And that was like my first time playing in a year and a half. And I came away being the top goal scorer of the tournament. And it was, it was just so, of course, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it was, it was just such a cool experience. And I was like, man, like I really, I miss hockey. Like I want to continue playing. And then, so let me see, I think that was, 2017 yeah that's 2017 and then I don't think we really did anything for a while after that tournament um, because we didn't qualify we came in third place because we tied two games we didn't even lose a game we lost one game that was it and we ended up in third place just because of how we tied and that was really unfortunate because then you know we didn't have a tournament the next year Um, so I didn't get to play again and then everything with COVID happened yeah but So let me see, 2018, we didn't qualify, like I said. And so I was like, you know, I, I miss hockey. I want to keep playing. And I heard of this website um, where you could kind of put your resume and you could play internationally. Mm. And that was, you know, I contacted some teams there, um, different countries in Europe, Australia, kind of a little bit of everywhere. And I ended up in Germany, as you know. Yeah. And, you know, I played a season out in Germany and I absolutely loved every second of it. I got to coach kids. That was like, I had kind of done a little bit of coaching in college here and there. Um, And I had done private lessons with kids, like local Stroudsburg and East Stroudsburg kids. I just like here and there, whenever, whenever they would text me. And so then when I went to Germany, it was, Hey, um, we'll give you a place to live. You eat everything, but we want you to coach. I was like, mm. I don't speak German. How am I going to coach four-year-olds? Yeah. Um, so I started, like, I only, I think I made the decision to go about a month before, like a month out. And so I had one month to try and learn any German. <laughs> and so I downloaded Duolingo, yeah, and, which is awesome. If you just want to learn some basics, um, I recommend it. And so I downloaded Duolingo and I was just every day for hours, just practicing German. And I'll never forget when I got off of the plane, I had practiced like three hours at right after arriving and I'm there and the coach is there and he's speaking. And I was just like, this is not Duolingo. This is so much faster. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, And so I would just stand in the back and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch a couple. I'm just going to watch them do it. And and we'll see what happens. And I couldn't ask any questions. I couldn't, I mean, some of the girls spoke English, like the girl that I lived with, she spoke English. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I just, it was just like a really fun, weird experience, but I ended up actually learning German and I'm actually kind of good at German now. Um, wow. Yeah. How long were you there? Um, I was there for three months. Yeah. Um, yeah, so three months, I, I actually picked up German pretty well for an American <laughs> and yeah. like, I mean, they would tell me, they're like, wow, like you're, you're really proud. Like, we're really proud of you for that because there's people who have lived here for almost a year and don't even try to learn German. And, you know, like, I feel like it's just insulting to go to another country and not even attempt to learn their language. Yeah. Um, and I know how people in America are like, oh, you're in America, speak English. But I'm like, like go to another country and learn their language. Yeah. Um, well, Americans are like notorious for not even trying in other countries. So <laughs> yeah. And it was, so I remember I was in Munich and there was, they have an American football team there and you know, is it, it's Germans. It, it's basically, it was kind of like high school football for us. Yeah. Yeah. Like the level was comparable. And so there was, I think five or six Americans on the team and you know, the team, the, the team would come up to me and they're like, 
you you've only been here for three months and you speak better German and more German than these people who have been here for a year do. And he was just like, they don't even try. And it's kind of annoying. Yeah. And so like, I felt happy for myself that like, you know, I was making an impression there. Right. So yeah, I left Germany and I was actually supposed to go back to Germany, but the week before I was supposed to go, the airline that I had a ticket with went out of business and yeah, they went completely out of business. I couldn't get my money back for a while. And so I ended up not being able what? to, yeah, I ended up not being able to go back, which was really sad for me because like, I, I really loved it there. My, like, I still talk to the, some of my teammates from there and I wish that I could go back like every day and I, any chance that I get, I'll go back to Germany. And then 2019, I went to Belgium to play and I was also coaching in Belgium. And, you know, I had a team of under 14 boys and man, coaching those boys. If you can coach a team of 13-year-old boys, you can do anything. I can imagine. <laughs> Especially in another way. Like, they all spoke French. And my French, I don't know how, but I picked up German a lot better than I picked up French. I My French was awful. Still is. Mm. Um, and so it was really hard. But luckily, I had two boys on the team that spoke good English, and they were able to help you know, anything that I couldn't say. So yeah, that was like real where I really started coaching was in Europe. Like I had. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I like my, my own team and I would travel to other teams with them. And it was really amazing because like we got killed the first few games. And then after that, they started winning and like, it became so fun. And, you know, I also had a team of, I think it was like under nine girls. Wow. That was was hard. (laughs) like little eight-year-old girls. Yeah. Just- how do they even, yeah. No, it's so hard. One of the dads, um, he was like my team dad and I love him and like, I'll still text him occasionally and, you know, check up on them. But yeah, he spoke, he speaks English. So him and his little daughter were able to help me there. Yeah. But yeah, that was like where I really started coaching. And I was like, like, you know, I had been a strength coach since college. You know, I got my bachelor's and my master's in exercise physiology. Mm-hmm. So I had done that. And I knew how to train people for fitness and, you know, I enjoyed it. But then there was something about like, I was just like, man, like I really want to coach hockey. So I got home from Belgium and I think it was like two weeks after I got home, I decided I was like, huh, I'm moving to Virginia Beach. They have hockey there. It's not as good as the hockey in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Know that like I can help, like I can be of use. Yeah. Yeah. And so I went there and I contacted a club there. And, you know, I went out to dinner with the owner of the club and one of the coaches. And I was just like, you know, she was like, well, what else do you plan on doing? And I was like, I don't really know. I just, I'm a strength coach and I coach hockey and I don't really know what else to do. And at that point in my life, I was like, man, I really don't like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I was just like, I just wanted to get out of Pennsylvania. Like I had lived in Europe for two seasons. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I really just like, don't want to go back and just still be in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. Like I needed something different for myself. And so she, she said, Oh, we can connect you with the owner of this gym and they have a big turf area and they have hockey classes and privates and and clinics and this and that. And so that, I think it was the next morning I went to the gym and I met my current boss. I still work for her, my boss, Dina. And I swear to you, Dina, like changed my life. Like, wow. But it was also hard because I moved there in November of 2019. That was when I started started umpiring. So I started umpiring. My first tournament actually was the beginning of 2019. And I will never forget this one coach. It was a U16 game. This one coach, he screamed at me. It was like my first game ever. Screamed at me, berated me. Like I came off of the field, like wanting to cry. And like, you know, I'm a tough person. Like I came off of that field and he yelled at me even when I came off of the field. And I remember going to, I remember going up to my manager and I was just like, this old man in a bright green shirt just started screaming at me. I was just like, does he realize that like this, like this isn't the Olympics? Like what? why is this old man screaming at me like this? And my boss just said, well, why didn't you give him a card? And I was like, well, because it's my like first time, like, I don't want to give someone a coach a card and then be known as like, I think I don't, I feel like he won't give me games if I do that. She's like, nope, if he's yelling at you, you do what you have to do. And so then I had him in the indoor tournament, maybe like a month later. (laughs) 
against their biggest rival team, which I didn't know at the time. And it was the team that I ended up coaching for in Virginia Beach. I didn't know this. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And he screamed at me again for something. And I was actually right on this call. Like, I knew I was right on it. He screamed at me and I carded him. And I was like, I don't want to hear you again. Yeah. And guess, and you know, now his son is like one of my best friends in the hockey world. Like he is amazing. Like I love this guy now. He's amazing. (laughs) But it's so funny because when I moved to Virginia Beach, I said, Hey, when I first started umpiring, you screamed at me at Disney and you made me almost never want to umpire again. And he was just like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Like he apologized. Like he was just like, you know, I just, I just get really into, I was like, I know, but like, you really scared me, but now I like you. Yeah. It's just like, that was just kind of like how my umpiring started. And, you know, I was like, I like, this is kind of as much as I get yelled at by players and parents and coaches, like, I kind of like doing this. And so I was like, you know, let's just see, you know, I just want to improve. Like, we'll see how I do. And, um, cause in a way, like, I don't know if this is true, but in a way, it's almost like you're kind of like a part of the game. Yeah. You're not playing, but like you are a one piece of the game. Yeah. And that's like, you know, I missed, I just missed like, there's no adult hockey here. And so I missed like being in games. I I just miss hockey games. And so coaching high school was out of the question for me. You know, there's just too much kids can say what they want. Parent, like, I just didn't want anything to do with that. So I stuck to the club realm. And yeah, so anyway, so I started coaching at the gym and then COVID happened maybe three months into me living there. And so I was out of a job for a while and I was just like, oh, you know, like you, everyone knows how it was when COVID hit. It's like, what yep. am I going to do with my life now? Yeah. And so we didn't know what to do. Like, the gym shut down actually a week before everything else shut down, like before the mandatory shutdown, the gym shut down for like a week. She was like, you know, we're just going to give it a week or two. And that was kind of everyone's thought was we're going to totally. give it a week or two. And so we were like, okay. And then, you know, another week passed and another week passed. And finally she was just like, all right, we need to do something like yeah. you guys need money. And so we started running online classes. Oh, um, cool. okay. So the first week of online classes was a little rough. We had one coach per like on a Zoom, just like this, with like 20 kids on the screen, like 10, 15 kids on the screen. It was like, oh my gosh, I can't coach you and show you what you're doing and look at you and coach, like actually correct you. So the second week got a lot better. We started adding a second coach, one to demonstrate and one to watch. Uh, and, you know, we did that for a couple of months. Yeah. But I mean, oh my gosh, I'll never forget that. Like, like you'll never forget where you were what you did during COVID. And so then I was like, man, like I really making $40 a week isn't helping me. And like, I, you know, I was putting my rent on my credit card. I was putting my groceries on my credit card and I had so much debt building up. And I was just like, I, I can't afford to live. And then I had the dogs and my dog had puppies because she accidentally got pregnant. (laughs) Like I look back on like 2020 and 2021 and I was like, Oh my, how did I even survive that? And so, you know, I started bartending and serving at an outdoor bar on the beach um, because it was outside. So technically it was allowed. And as much as I loved it because I was finally making money, it was really miserable because Virginia Beach is a hot place. It was like 100 degrees and I was outside in a mask all day. And, you know, the shifts weren't short shifts. Like it was like we were there open to close. There was no mid shift. You were there from 10 a.m. to 2 or 3 a.m. sometimes just to come back and do it the next day. And like I had one day off a week and then and, you know, that day I like. I was like, I just, I'm a dead body. Like I, so basically like from, I think I started there in May. So May to like September, I'm going to say, we're going to stop at July. My health like declined a little bit because you like, you know what it's like working. Yeah. You're around so many people and exposed and all these things. Yeah. Yeah. And like my health declined so much. Like I stopped working out because I was just like walking around all day at the, like, yeah yeah I was living off of two bang energy drinks every day like the thing with with, like working in a restaurant and like working as a server bartender whatever it is like you're not just like physically exhausted you're like emotionally and like mentally exhausted because like 
you're all day like putting on a face mm-hmm. interacting with people it's so much energy that you have to like put out that yeah. it's like everything about you is exhausted yeah and also I feel I don't know if you feel this way like where you've worked but I feel like COVID kind of brought out the worst in people like it brought out the best in people yeah but I feel like it also did bring out the worst in people because people would go to these restaurants after being locked up for so long and yeah. not to go out for so long they would go into this restaurant and just feel so entitled to mm-hmm. everything and they would just be so mean like I had people record me I had people can I see your manager as they're recording me and I would look at them and I would be like no <laughs> I'd be like, because guess what? He's going to tell you the same thing that I'm telling you. No. And, you know, there was just some really, I don't know, like when, once things kind of got a little lenient, people just felt really entitled, I think. Totally. Going, and, you know, it it made serving a little bit less fun. Like I used to have so much fun doing it. And it was always just like, cool, because I would meet so many cool people. But now it was just like, yeah, we're out here to get drunk. And, you know, I don't care about you. I care about myself. And uh, yeah, I think that that kind of made it a little bit less enjoyable. And then, so then there came a, I got COVID in July of 2020. And this was, you know, during the heat of it, like in, especially in Virginia Beach, like this was like when it really started to get big. And I was out of work for three weeks um, because it took that long for my COVID test to come back. I couldn't go back to work until I got a negative yeah, test. Yeah. And this, there was just so an influx of so many people getting it that it took three weeks for my results to come back. So I missed three weeks of work. And then I came back to work for two weeks and then my appendix like ruptured, almost ruptured on me. So then I missed another two weeks of work. And then, you know, by that point it was like October, it was like the very end of September. And I was like, man, like, I'm really just tired of this. Like my appendix just ruptured three days ago. And my boss is just like, yeah, I was told that you can come into work after like five days after an appendix because it's an easy recovery. Oh, okay. You're like, telling me. Cool. And then I remember like, I just like went into the gym again for the first time since COVID. And I was like, Hey, so I'm making a lot of money serving, but I really am not enjoying it. Yeah. And my boss, I like, I'll never forget how confident she was in it. She was just like, come back to me. She was just like, you will make money. Come back. She was like, I will give you everything you need to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. That's that was kind of like the turning point for me, like coaching wise, because it was like a huge leap of faith going from like, okay, I know that I'm going to make mm-hmm. a lot of money in this two week period to like, now my money is going to depend on how many classes I do, how many privates I have, what yeah. other side stuff I do. And so it was like really scary going from like, finally, like after a few months, not making money, I was making money. And now it's just like unknown, but she stayed true to her promise. And like, I mean, she loaded my schedule up. Like I was coaching so many classes. I did clinics. I did like seminar, like anything you could imagine. I was coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was coaching kids strength classes and individual, um, personal training. Again, I was doing private lessons with kids. Like she absolutely loaded my schedule up and like, I ended up being pretty successful with it. And, you know, I continued and it was just something that I wanted to do. Like, I was just like, I want to do this. This is fun. This is what I want to do. And so I was coaching the club here and there, but I was mostly in the gym and just kind of new ideas for the gym wherever I could. And you know, we really built it up again. And yeah, yeah. I'm like, I mean, my girls, like, of course I'm not there now I'm living in South Carolina now, but yeah, like it, one of my girls just made the U16 national team yesterday. She got announced and like, I'm so happy for her. I see my girls committing to like Ohio state and Iowa and Penn, like just all these amazing like hockey schools that the girls that I've coached and like, I'm like, Oh, congratulations. Like, I'm so happy for you. And they're like, well, I couldn't yeah. have done it without you. And I'm just like, Oh my God, this makes me so happy. Yeah. Like I was going to ask, like, what do you think that between coaching, you know, strength training, all those kinds of things, what do you think that, how do you think that that fulfills your purpose or your passion? I don't, my biggest thing is I want to give these girls the confidence that like nobody ever gave me like you know my dad pushed me and it was just push 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 even when I was just like struggling it was just still push but like I my biggest goal in coaching was like I want these girls to know that they are strong to know that they can do anything that they 
put their mind to. Like I have a theory. So when I coach, if I tell you to do something, they know you're not allowed to tell me I can't do that. If you tell me that you can't do that, you're giving me push-ups because you can do it. You just don't know how to do it yet. And, and, you know, like I had this one girl, there's like this one skill and she was just like, she was like, you make it look so easy. How, how do you do that? And I was just like, I took a ball, one single ball, and I had a goal and I hit it. I did this over and over and over again for three hours a day. And she was like, she was like, and every time you do it, it's perfect. Like it goes where you want to go. It does what you want to do. I'm like, and you can do that too. I was like, you need to put in the work, but you can do it. Yeah. And then like to see her, (laughs) I remember, I was just like, once you do it, like you have to let me know, because if you do this on someone, you're going to make them look real silly and break their ankles out on the field. I'll never forget when she texted me. It was just all caps. She said, I did it. I made Ah. something look silly. And I was like, and a month ago, you were telling me that you can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was just like, my biggest thing with them is like, I want these girls to feel confident and I want these girls to know that like, I, I care about them and I still text all my girls. Like I'll text them. And if I don't have their number, I'll message them on Instagram. Like, Hey, how are you doing? How's your mental health? How is like, how are you with hockey? Yeah. And you know, they know that I still care about them a lot. There's like, I love, they're like my kids before my kid. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so, that's so inspiring and so wonderful because I feel like it's like a unique medium to be able to do that. Right. Like it's, it's being able to help young women feel confident and succeed and, you know, through sports and like through, being a mentor in that way, you know? And so like, that's just so wonderful. Yeah. And it's like, like, I like it because, you know, a lot of kids feel like they can't, they can't express themselves to their parents Mm -hmm. and then they have their high school coaches or their club coaches. And then I'm that middle ground where I coach you in private lessons. I coach you in classes, but I'm never going to expect perfection for, I'm just going to expect you to work hard and I'm going to expect you to like, I'm going to push you to feel confident in what you do. Um, and I think that that was some, that's like something that a lot of girls don't have because a lot of girls have coaches that are very hard on them are like, yeah, like they push them a little bit past the limit or like some coaches just, they take out their own anger on these girls and yeah. And they don't get the same individual attention, right? Because yeah, team it's like, yep. Some people are going to just naturally fall by the wayside versus you who can work like one-on-one with them and like actually get to know them and see their strengths, weaknesses, like those kinds of things. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, I, it, the coaching in the private sector is like, just, I love it. You know, it's, I feel like I get to impact more people than I do with a team. Yeah, totally. So I kind of want to jump into talking about motherhood, your new mom. Oh my gosh. I'm like the cutest baby ever. <laughs> You're like the only person that I actually don't mind like that you post your baby. Like, cause uh, I feel like, you know, it's like you get some people that they post their baby all the time. I'm like, okay, I don't really care. And you, I'm like, I actually stop and watch all of your like posts and videos. Uh, um, so yeah, I want to talk about that because I think that something that was like really impactful when you were pregnant, that was that like you were still exercising and like lifting and like doing all these things. And I want to ask you, like, did you get any sort of like concerning feedback from people like that don't really know that that's like okay to do? But two, why do you think that like, it's a little bit more like, not taboo, but kind of like shocking to see like a pregnant woman like lifting weights squatting 200 pounds <laughs> exactly like you know I think part of it just stems from like way back when it was like oh you're a pregnant woman you have to stay home and you have to take care of the house and do what pregnant women do and yeah I didn't really get any harsh feedback you know my mom was just like you shouldn't be lifting that much but it was just my mom yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't really get any harsh feedback from anyone else, really. Like, you know, I had a lot of people supporting it. I mean, I, and also again, I'm a strength coach and I have been since, you know, I got out of college. So it's something that I know how to do and I've been doing and I know I knew my limits and I knew where I needed to adjust things. But 
Yeah. I mean, for me, it was more like I wanted, I just wanted to stay moving and stay healthy because, you know, they're like, you don't realize it until you have a kid, but like having a kid is a a workout, not like physically doing it, but like, you know, I, he likes to be thrown in the air. So I had to do a lot of shoulder presses and my shoulders got strong, you know, like picking him up from the low setting of the bed that's on your back. That's like deadlifts, you know, and a lot of weightlifting that correlates to parenting. Um, that a lot of people don't realize. And so for me, it was like my parents growing up, they were a little bit overweight and, you know, like they couldn't run around with me. They couldn't uh-huh. do the, like do crazy things. It was just, okay, we're going to go on a walk. And that was it. And it was just like, I want to my base. And I tell Nick all the time, like, I want us to be able to run around in the backyard with him. I want us to be able to play with him, play soccer yeah. with him, throw things with him. You know what? I want us to be able to enjoy and be active with him right? Uh, go on hikes and stuff. And I think that was my biggest kind of reasoning for like really pushing myself when it came to working out while I was pregnant. And yeah, I mean, he loves being thrown in the air. He's heavy now. He's like 25 pounds now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little bit of a workout. Can you tell us a little bit about like transitioning into motherhood? So like, how has it been like? What are things that like you've learned along the way? And Gosh. I'm sure it's like a lot. Yeah. But yeah, like what things did you not expect that are now like something that you do expect or whatever? Oh so, you know, everyone's, everyone going into motherhood is different, you know? And for me, I think the hardest part was that, so Nick has, he's in the Navy and the Navy likes to give really terrible schedules. And so, you know, he would, he either was on nights. I, oh my gosh, I'll never forget one. So Nick had one month off. And then he went straight into the night shift for a whole month. So Harvey at this point was one month old and it was just me every single night. And then Nick would sleep during the day until two or three PM. So I was with him. Right. He was waking up every hour. (laughs) And it was just like that month two was just like really hard on me because not like as much mentally, because I was just at that point, I was like, okay, I know I can do this. I know I yeah. can do this. It's temporary. And I just kept telling myself it's temporary. But it was it was hard because I was always exhausted um, because I didn't get any sleep. And I think that for me, the hardest part about it all was, and still is, like my relationship with Nick, you know? And it was always, you know, how guys are. They, <laughs> they don't realize things a lot of times. Yes. And I think that the hardest part was getting him to realize like, Hey, I'm doing absolutely everything yeah. and you're doing the bare minimum. Like I need your help. And I think that, that was the hardest part in the beginning, especially was like, I'm cooking, I'm cleaning, I'm taking care of him all day. I'm breastfeeding him. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm running back and forth and you're going to work and then you're sleeping. Right. Right. And then you're right, waking right. up and you have three or four hours with him max. And at like, And he didn't know what to do in those three or four hours because he was like, oh my gosh, like, what do I do? He's crying. I don't know why he's crying. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, you need to do this. And he's like, well, how do you know? And I'm like, because I just know, like I spent, I I spent all day with him. I know. And so, you know, we had a point where like Nick was really frustrated. Like he didn't know how to handle any situation, but like now he's so much better. Mm. You know, that took a lot of, you know, it took a lot of work for both of us. And I think that what I didn't expect was, so, you know, like a lot of people with like postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety and stuff like a lot of people, I feel like that hits a lot of people towards the beginning, but I feel like for me, it wasn't until maybe like November, October, November, like that was when it like really started just like feeling heavy on me. Mm. And that was how many, how many months after? So he was born in April. I want to say maybe like six months, seven months at the time. Right, right, Um, right when it like really started to just like weigh down on me. And I think that part of it too was, and this is like what I really wasn't expecting because I'm just like a mentally tough person. And I always have been like, I'll never show my emotion. I'll never show you when I'm struggling. And I think that the hard part was like actually looking at him and being like, help, (laughs) like help me please. But yeah. And it's like, it's just like a, a whole bunch of things like my hormones, like, you know, I worked out my whole pregnancy. I stayed fit. I stayed right. in really good shape and somehow I still gained 40 pounds. Right, right, right. I was right. Eating right. I was, and I'll never, I went to the doctor and he was just like, yeah, so, you know, you've gained 40 pounds. 
And I was just like, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know why I'm eating. I don't eat bad. I work out twice a day. Like, I don't know why I'm gaining this weight. And he was like, well, what are you eating? Like break down your day. And I was just like, I mean, for breakfast, I'll have like yogurt, granola with some berries. And he stopped me right there. And he was just like, well, all of that has sugar. So that's probably why I was like, yeah, but like there's different types of sugar and like that I'm not eating like processed foods or anything. Right. And so, you know, like he basically told me that I was eating too much sugar and, and I was just like, okay. So I started changing the way that I ate. And even still, like, I think I've only lost 10 pounds. Right. I think that that's something that was hard on me because I've always been in shape. Sure, 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 sure. And now your body's changed. Yeah. And now my body, and you know, the hormones, like I just got my period for the first time. Like I, I got it in, I got it for a month and then it stopped for ever until just now, like today. Oh, so it's definitely like a hormonal thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's hard because it's like, I'm doing everything right. I'm doing, I'm eating right. I'm not, I'm not eating junk. I, and, and, you know, I'm doing everything that I should be doing the right way and I'm still not losing weight. And I think that that's something that when you work so hard for so long and you don't see anything, you're like, Oh, this is like really stressful. Frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. sure. And you know, it's definitely hormonal because I, I just got my period almost a year later, you know, right. and I don't even know if it's, you know, if it's just today or if it'll be normal and then come back next month, you know, I don't know what to expect. Sure. And so I think that what I wasn't expecting was my hormone. Yeah. yeah. I didn't expect it to be this bad because I was like, oh, I work out, I eat right. I do everything right. Right. Yeah. And you know, sometimes you can do everything right and not see results. You can do everything right. And your body just isn't working, but also with the lack of sleep, you know, there was the stress that I had. There was, I was, so I went through a really bad insomnia phase from like when he was born till he was probably like seven months old where I would go to sleep and I would wake up at 3 a.m. and I would just be up from 3 a.m. on. So you have like the hormones, you have the lack of sleep, you have the stress, you have everything. And it's just like There's so many factors. Yeah. And like you can do everything right. But I mean, sometimes your body just is messed up and it is what it is. And so that's kind of like what I'm dealing with now is like, okay, let's we're, we're going to figure this out. We're yeah, going to be patient. Everything right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like just a matter of being patient with yourself because yeah. like you literally created like a human. So like, <laughs> like you yeah. literally made life. So like, yeah. But I mean, aside from like my personal issues, like, I mean, he's been, I feel like I got lucky, knock on wood, but I feel like I got lucky. Like he's always really happy. He isn't really a, an extreme crier. Like, um, I was so nervous about that because I was yeah, like, oh, gosh, what am I going to do? I don't even know. I'm not very good when people cry. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, please stop crying. Yeah. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I'm, I got lucky there. But I guess another thing also is like, I'm very much like, I need time to myself. I need space to myself. And I didn't have that in what with Nick's schedules, um, you know, changing every month and it just being so crazy. I didn't have any time to myself, any room to myself when he was little. And I was always just, he was always on me. me, I just needed space. And so like, I, I only breastfed him for like three months. And then I was like, we're going to put him on formula because I'm sick of being the only one waking up in the middle of the night. I'm sick of, I am the only one that can do anything for him. And it's frustrating for me because like, sometimes I just don't want to be touched. (laughs) And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Like when they have a baby is just like, they're the moms, you know, they're always just being touched. And like, there'd be times where Nick would come up to me and touch me. And I'm like, get, get off of me. Like I don't touch me. (laughs) And you know, it's gotten better, (laughs) but like, I didn't want anyone near me. Uh, like, and so I saw breastfeeding him and I went to formula and I mean, he's growing fine. He's fine. Yeah. Um, and so I think that my biggest thing, like for anyone that has a baby, like do what is best for you and like your mental health and the baby. Because for me, like I was, I felt like I was just out of it and going crazy. Yeah, um, totally. Just, just like having him on me all the time. Yeah, 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 totally. And I know that there's some people that are like, oh, I never need a break from my kid and they're lying. Yeah. And like you said, though, it's like everyone's different. Everyone has their own. Like you need to set your own personal boundaries on however it is that whatever you need. You know what I mean? Like 
So yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't be a good mom to him. Like if mentally I'm not there. Of course. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So cool. I want to kind of like wrap up and I like to end talking about what keeps you life curious. So what lights your fire? Like what keeps you passionate and learning? Yeah. I think for me, it's like the thought of inspiring other people. Like Mm -hmm. I want to make myself better every day because I see, you know, I know that I have kids from a, my, my kid, but like, you know, the girls that I coach, like aged 10 all the way up through college. Like I know that they're looking at me. I know that they see what I do. And I know that, you know, I've had kids be like, you know, like you inspire me. Like you are the reason that I do this. You're the reason that I keep going. And like, I just want them to know that like, you can do, you can do whatever you want. And I push myself to meet my goals so that they can see that they can do the same. So like right now I'm, like I said, I want to umpire internationally and I'm doing whatever I can to get there. And some of my kids started umpiring because they see me and they're like, you're the best umpire. And we started umpiring because of you. I'm like, wow, I love this. That's so cool. <laughs> I just like the thought of like inspiring the younger generation, I think is something that really motivates me. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. Thank that was you. so great. Oh my gosh, I love talking to you. <laughs> great. So where can everyone find you, connect with you, Instagram? I just changed my Instagram names. <laughs> oh, did you? I did, yeah, it's Marissa Miro 13 now. And then I don't really use much else in terms of social media. Yeah, totally. So I'll put all that in the show notes for anyone who has any like questions or is interested in anything that we talked about today. Yeah, cool. Okay, thank you. This was you. I'm so happy I got to talk to you. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Life Curious Women. If you enjoyed this episode and you're enjoying the season so far, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. This helps draw new listeners to the podcast such as yourself and helps grow the show. Another way to support Life Curious Women is by sharing the show with your friends and family via text message, DM on Instagram, when you see them in person, tell them what you love most about the show. And lastly, take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and tag us on Instagram. We'll make sure to connect with you and reshare your post. Thank you for listening to Life Curious Women. And as always, make sure to stay life curious.